0: Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. And Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, and welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. My name is Kelly, and I am joined by my two dedicated, hardworking, and super hot
1: co-hosts, Allie and Corey. Hello, I am Allie, and it's true, I am super hot. Hi, I am
2: Corey, and I couldn't stop being hot if I tried. None of us can.
0: <laughs> Do you think everyone knows that we talk to each other basically all day every day and remind each other that we're hotties literally all the time because we do <laughs> can't stop one <long> stop. <laughs> couldn't if i tried so we have a very special episode for you today one that we've been working towards all year long this is our mega end of the year best of 2020 picture books special edition of the picture books to gang podcast
2: yeah, we talked about it a little bit in our last episode, but just to recap, if you are new to the podcast, this is our second year running a Bookstagram awards list specifically for picture books. Allie started it last year, just birthed it out of her brilliant brain, and we all ran the back end of it together with our Bookstagram book club, all doing the judging. And now, this is the second annual edition, and it's so much bigger this year,
1: too. Yeah, it's a a lot. It- a lot bigger, like staggeringly <laughs> bigger. <laughs> and and the way it works is we basically go around soliciting picture book submissions from every single publisher. And the ones who would like to participate, which is quite a large amount this year especially, will submit books for our judging by the panel of all of our members. We have six regular categories this year, which are best illustration, best board books, best read aloud, future classics, most innovative nonfiction, And Best Biography. And those two last categories were kind of smushed together last year, but there were so many biographies that we just needed to give it its own space, like to breathe. And they they just, they don't really work well with the science books and like the animal facts.
0: Yeah. And the biography section in particular, I just found so hard to judge because there's just so many humans that have fascinating lives that really, really, really all deserve equal billing. But alas, it was
1: a very tight race in that category. There can only be 10. Yeah, 10 sounds like a lot, but it was really hard to choose 10 winners per category when you have, you know, hundreds of books. The reason that we added two special feature categories is because we just had so many. So the two special feature categories are food and books with animals. And for those two special feature categories, there are five books mentioned each just to spread the love around a little bit more.
2: And so 10 per category plus five in the special mentions means we have a full 70 winners, which is just so many amazing and deserving books. It was pretty involved and onerous to judge them all, but also it was a lot of fun. We had around 300 physical books submitted for judging. All of our judges had some marathon reading and scoring to do.
1: Our judges, yes. So our group, we really have to talk about them before we get to the actual books. So we have 13 judges. All are members of our regular book club and group chat, the Books to Gang. Plus, we also added an Australian list this year, which had eight judges and was headed by at Fun, who's a regular member of the Books to Gang club, but she's Australian. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the Aussie edition of this list later on in the episode and hear a little bit from them about their pick. The judges for the North American list are, of course, the three of us, plus Bookish Blair, Bookaholic Mom, My Literacy Space, Houston Library Finds, Noodle Nuts Kids Books, Little Black Book Nook, I have a book for that, Toddlers Who Read, Because My Mother Read, and My Book Addiction, and you can find them all in the show notes
0: so within all of those lovely humans that are a part of the booksy gang we have a doctor a lawyer we have educators parents a former children's lit agent social emotional learning expert we have social justice advocates we have a little bit of everything lots of very differing perspectives some liking very classic feeling books and some of us like perhaps be favoring more modern works Some with some very strong input from their kids and some less so
1: River had some very strong words about some of the selection, but that's for sure. (laughs)
2: She sure did. But (laughs) with that, we got to dive into the winners. Shall we start with a category that Allie is very passionate about? Board books? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> let's do that <laughs> okay here are the winners for board books and just to note that for the sake of time we're only going to read the titles but a full detailed list will be in the show notes and on all of our websites and on all of our instagram accounts so without further ado the winners for board books are in no particular order my family your family baby medical school vaccines love you head to toe a day unicorns and rainbows a very busy board book dinosaur surprise you're the cheese in my blints. Where are you, Polar Bear?
1: Well, I gotta say that if you know me, you know that I just love board books. And I think that all books for kids under five should be board books. But out of this selection, my kids had some really deep love, lots of favorites here. My toddler, Willow, her definite favorite is Dinosaur Surprise. And that one is really neat because it's like folded over. So you open a page and it looks like a small animal, like a spider or a jellyfish. And then when you open it up, surprise, it's a dinosaur. I've read it 600,000 times. <laughs> figure yeah (laughs) very exact number (laughs) our other favorite one well we love vaccines but the one that that river really really loves of this whole selection is the unicorn and rainbows one with the little flaps and the wheels and it has little little like open it up um memory games it is fantastic it looks like a unicorn vomited everywhere 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 in a really good way Mm -hmm. yes it's super fun (laughs) that one
2: is really cool I love my family your family too I think the illustrations are super cute they're really inclusive and oh where are you polar bear actually is a plastic free book which I think is really neat it's made out of recycled materials and it has these little windows with sort of ribbed
1: textures yeah we really really like that one That one was good, too. Yeah, that's a beautiful one.
0: My Family, Your Family is probably my favorite board book that came out this year or possibly ever. I'm very biased about that one. That's strong. Um, Well, it is strong, but I mean, I think there's just so few books that are like that that have simple language and have that kind of representation. So I really love that one. Baby Medical School Vaccines. I can't even tell you what that has done and change in our life that has caused, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in the pandemic. Like, my kid is fascinated with vaccines now. That whole series has been, like, life-changing for us. Getting a flu shot was like a breeze because he was just, like, so charged up that he was going to have these superheroes saving the day inside of his body. (laughs) The board books this year were just really strong.
1: Also, to talk about that vaccines board book, even though it is a board book, I love that I actually learned stuff about vaccines, too. Yeah, It does a great, that whole series by Care Florence is fantastic for breaking down stuff that you really should know how it works, but most people don't. And especially right now, I think everyone needs to learn how vaccines work.
0: I think that book, I'm, despite being called Baby Medical School, is actually really for older children. But I like the board book format. It makes it feel really accessible. And you can clean it. And you can clean it. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I've mentioned several times um, with board books this year. I got so many requests to share more board books because classroom teachers wanted books that they could wipe down and sanitize. So, you know, books like baby medical school vaccines, you know, they're books that have information for older kids that are appropriate in a classroom setting and not just, you know, a daycare or a baby's bookshelf, but you can still wipe down and clean them between students in, in a pandemic.
2: Fantastic. So good. Yeah. Love You Head Head to Toe is also a really cute one. I like the art in there. And I actually, I was really pleased to see with Nita's Day on the back, which teaches sign language for anybody who hasn't seen it, but they have a deaf culture advisor who helped them develop the book, which I think is super important because there's a lot of um, feelings that we don't have time to get into right now between teaching babies Sign language and like actual, like sign language, because it's a full, comprehensive, complete language yeah, with
3: absolutely. grammatic mm-hmm. structure
2: different from English. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I almost digressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really want to dive into my favorite category next, which is best biography books, obviously. Uh, because I feel like if you visited the TTA website and Instagram, you know how much we love biographies, and I am a giant nerd for biographies. And there was so many good ones this year. I'm super glad we split the nonfit category into two this year, because I think it gives a much better way to showcase the wide range of nonfiction available. And like you said before, Kelly, this was the hardest category to judge because there are so many. Fascinating people. But on to the winners. So many cool
0: humans. It really was hard to score.
2: Totes. Okay, so in no particular order, our 10 winners are Born Curious, 20 awesome girls who grew up to be awesome scientists. The Power of Her Pen, the story of groundbreaking journalist Ethel L. Payne. She was the first, The Trailblazing Life of Shirley Chisholm. Canadian Women Now and Then. Shiruko, the Peruvian archaeologist, The Teacher's March, How Selma's Teachers Change History, I Am Not a Label, 111 Trees, William Still and His Freedom Stories, and last but not least, The Fighting Infantryman, the story of Albert D.J. Cashier, transgender civil war soldier.
0: Are you winded after that? Yes, I am (laughs) (laughs) very. I found this category very hard to judge and also fascinating because of the books we got, because Ali and I are Canadian, we're not familiar with some of the figures in American history at all. So they were all brand new to us entirely. So it it was fascinating from that respect. I am really pleased that Canadian women now and then won because I genuinely, deeply love that book. And when I first got it, which was really early in the pandemic, I just sat and read it by myself for like two hours <laughs> because it was just it's so well put together. And I love the anthology style. And we I, you know, I was also really glad that, you know, I am not a label and I'm born curious one, because I think anthologies are a really great way for younger children to absorb some of this information. The biographies can get a little bit heavy and long for younger kids.
1: I also prefer anthologies because despite not being a very small child. I don't have the longest attention span. So those <laughs> those were my own favorite, except for the um, the Fighting Infantryman, which I just thought was so moving and beautiful. I really loved that one. My other favorite one was 111 Trees, which was a little bit of a stretch to put in that category because yes, it does involve a biography, but it also moves on to a story of the community and the whole movement. We thought it was... Really important. I love this entire category, so
2: I will try to keep my thoughts brief. The Power of Her Pen, I'm completely obsessed with. I also love John Parr's illustration so much. I hope you have all listened to the PB&J episode where he is featured. Shiruko was an incredible book. I love how proud he was of his indigeneity. And The Teacher's March, oh my gosh, a beautiful story, something that not a lot of people talk about. Now that specific protest, William still obsessed. I know I said I was going to be brief and I just mentioned all of the
0: names. What you're getting but... at is that every single book is your favorite <laughs> book.
2: <laughs> all the biographies. But the fighting infantrymen is super, super important to reaffirm that trans people have been around and in communities and accepted and celebrated in their communities for hundreds of years and that specific point of the book I think was very important.
1: I was actually really surprised because I wouldn't have expected, you know, it's the civil war like and they they all rallied again like around him and and they accepted him and I was like wow, look, they're such good dudes, you know? So much mm-hmm. totally. good dudes. Really liked it.
0: Yeah, and they included a lot of of the history in the back of that one that I really appreciated. I think we, we need to talk about I Am Not a Label because I think that's a really important book that came out this year. It is Disabled Owned Voices. It is a book that, you know, sort of finally in the realm of disability representation doesn't present everything as sort of this inspiration porn sort of thing it uplifts without going overboard and again it's an anthology which i've already said i really really enjoy but it's an important book and um and it's one that the disability community itself has rallied around which i think is a really important thing for us all to pay attention to so um i'm really pleased that was another winner a very clear winner as well. I also was really pleased to see William Still and his Freedom Stories win. Last year, Carter Reads the Newspaper won. Don Tate also illustrated that. This is the second year running that we've had one of his books win, and I think it's for good reason. He has great illustrations. They're very engaging and accessible, and it's an
1: important story. Sure is. Let's go on to our next category. So that would be the nonfiction. Now, we very specifically call this most innovative nonfiction for a reason, because there are a lot of nonfiction books, and many of them are very thoroughly researched, they're beautiful, but they're not really out of the norm of what you normally see. So when we were judging the books that were submitted for this category, we were really looking for something that we hadn't seen before, something unique, something that drew us in. We were looking for innovation, And we definitely got it. There are some really super cool winners
2: in this category.
1: So first we've got The Farm That Feeds Us a Year in the Life of an Organic Farm. Number two, Bird Watch. What will you find? Three, I ate sunshine for breakfast. Four, tea time around the world. Five, Miss Smithsonian Kids Prehistoric Deep Sea. Six, Winged Wonders, Solving the Monarch Migration Mystery. Seven, In the Garden. Eight, Season of the Witch. Nine, Me and the World, An Infographic Exploration. And 10, Professor Astrocat's Deep Sea Voyage.
2: I think that we also just have to state that Flying Eye pretty much did a clean sweep yeah. of this category. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <because laughs> their nonfiction is just so well put together. The art is always stunning and fantastic. Also. The like very graphic illustrations that they tend to do are just some of my favorites. I say this all the time, but they remind me of like the old travel posters of the 50s and 60s.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And especially like Professor Astrocat. I feel like that whole series is written by a scientist. So I think it's really like Kara Florence's books. They're like written and broken down mm-hmm. really well with these super complex topics. And I ate sunshine for breakfast also amazing. I love the illustrations in there. I love that like all the little worms are wearing like little hats and they're they're just like these super goofy anthropomorphic insects that talk about plants. I'm sold. I'm yeah.
1: sucked sold, right in.
0: <laughs> Buy them what they're selling. I, I'm raising a tiny David Attenborough, a human just obsessed with the natural world in every single way. So all of these books are by far his favorites. Birdwatch what will you find was oh, like so captivating. It comes mm-hmm. with this little magnifying glass which I thought would be a gimmick but it was just it just took the whole mm-hmm. book to another level in the garden. Absolutely beautiful. All the flaps. We like flaps around here. <laughs> so flappy.
2: That book is so good.
0: <laughs> One of the ones I really, really loved that was a winner was um, The Winged Wonders, uh, Solving the Monarch Migration Mystery. Again, if you've listened to uh, some of the past episodes of PB&J, you know that I raise monarchs in the summer. I thought this book was incredibly well done. It is a little known fact that it was only in the like, last 40 years that we discovered where monarchs actually migrate to and this kind of breaks down how that was uncovered and the people across continents that made that happen That we figured out where their roosting grounds are in the winter in Mexico and I loved the way it was illustrated it was accurate which is always important to me because we have gotten some non-fic books that have inaccurate information in them <laughs>
1: <And> you're always <also laughs> the one that finds it <laughs> <laughs> <He is hot. laughs> um,
0: so uh so I really enjoyed that and season of the witch so good So I- good am obsessed with season of the witch it is amazing we read it so many times before halloween and we've tapered off now but only because we're into another holiday season of books so
1: yeah i loved season of the witch just for me i just love all the flying eye books i mean yes like as as cory was saying the beautiful. The style is just, is just something you want to look at. You want to keep looking at it. You know, you want to put it on one of those shelves where you can just see it all the time, but mm-hmm. also they feel so nice. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is to me. I just want to rub my face on them. You know, oh, it's the matte pages and the majority Matt of them pages are matte pages.
0: Yeah. And they do the cloth covers and with oh, no so dust nice. jacket, they're beautiful. They're fine quality
1: are just not as nice to look at, right? Although
2: I do love it when the dust jacket has something on it and then you like take it off and there's like a surprise on the cover. I know that that's like a controversial statement, but I like it when
0: there's a cover surprise. Such controversy.
1: <laughs> See, I I like it, but not as an Instagrammer because when you want to take the dust jacket off because there's like a glare and then it doesn't have the same picture, you're like, well, I can't take a picture of this now. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? So we love the flying eye but the ones that I thought were super duper unique were the ones that got like a an interactive engagement feel as part of it so Kelly was mentioning the bird watch what will you find with the little magnifying glass oh my goodness that has gone with my kids everywhere for a few weeks now and they fight over the magnifying glass so I I do wish there were two for next time guys but (laughs) they (laughs) love it they just love it they also really like The Tea Time Around the World, that one was really interesting because it was kind of a cross between a story slash nonfiction, and it like explored all the different cultural ways of of having tea, and it was beautiful, just beautiful. I loved it. It was so good. Well, yeah, and I think Greystone's
0: kind of got that thing going that, that Flying Eye has in a different way. Mm-hmm. They really produce really beautifully illustrated books mm-hmm. and their quality of their binding and they they do have dust jackets, but they're always matte dust jackets, which I can't even tell you what a bonus that is for a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I open a book and it's got a shiny cover, I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Farm That Feeds Us, The Year in a Life of, of an Organic Farm, we have been using that for our pandemic homeschooling journey, and I am absolutely obsessed with this book. You know, every page is a different spread on a different topic, so again, it's got that kind of anthology-ish format, so you can break it down and use it with all your different seasonal activities. So we've got, you know, the winter pages open right now, and we'll talk about the different concepts. So that's, it's a beautiful book, and it's big, and it's thick, and it's heavy. I was also really struck by the fact that even in these submissions, not just the winners, we had a lot of under the sea books this
1: year. There were a lot of under right? the <laughs> sea books. Yeah, when I was filming them, I had enough for like 15 reels. I was like, what am I going to do with all these under-the-sea books? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't even live near the sea. The Smithsonian (laughs) kids' money was so good, though,
2: because my favorite part was that under the flaps were the pictures of the actual
0: fossils. It also just had these big, huge pullout, like extra pages that you could slide out that had charts on them. I was like, it's mind-blowing. And it's a board book, but it's definitely for older children.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Me in the World with the infographics too is super neat. That's one of those books that you can like turn to any sort of page and learn something or you can read it cover to cover, which I always like in a book that you can use it multiple ways.
1: And that one there was really interesting to me, the Me in the World infographic one, because each page is it's very beautifully done, but the way that it displays displays data in different ways is really striking. So if you're talking about math and sorting and displaying data and graphing with a child, you can really go outside of the box and say like, look, this is an infographic with pictures. And they've managed to display the data in a way that we can understand easily. So it takes math, which is not always the most interesting and it makes it really cool and easy to understand and I just I love that.
0: We got spoiled in the nonfiction category this year. You know we haven't even because I think it's almost so obvious that we all loved it so much we haven't even gushed about In the Garden which is massive like I mentioned it before but it's a massive book. The page is completely covered with flaps and it explores all of these different concepts about plants and there's these human sort of shadow figures in it. It's so beautiful. And very innovative, and and I think that was almost you know when I was scoring all the nonfiction books, that was almost like my touch point of what I was scoring mm-hmm. off of for that innovative touch point because it was it, I've never seen anything like it.
1: I I agree, and I think that in the end, I don't remember the exact score, but it was one of the highest scored of every single book that we got. Everybody loved in the garden. Yeah. It was so beautiful, Definitely so upbeat. striking. Like it's just next level stuff in the garden, you know. Yeah, flaps so, are all different shapes too, which they I really are.
0: Like. True story. Mm-hmm. Different shaped flaps. It's very engaging. They're almost hidden sometimes. Mm-hmm. So,
2: me, a thirty-two-year-old adult, had trouble finding
1: where some of the flaps were. No, so <laughs> I
0: don't think I've lifted every flap because there's so many. <laughs>
1: And I love that the flap, even though we're calling it a flap book, I feel like people aren't envisioning how truly beautiful it is. It's yeah. not just like, oh, it's a lift of the flap book. It, it's a piece of art. It's stunning. It's, it's yeah. stunning.
0: Well, and that's, again, that's something that Princeton Architectural Press, there's a theme with this entire nonfiction <laughs> category, but Princeton Architectural Press who, who published that book, they print beautiful books. So that's what they do. So this is a classic example of, of what they do. But I got to get us back on track. So I right. think we should pop in our featured categories, which we came up with after seeing a lot of trends in our submissions from last year's Best of 2019 list. Particularly, we saw a lot of food books last year. And a couple of our favorites from last year's winners are Amy Wu in The Perfect Bow and Bilal Cooks Dell. Those were both instant winners and have remained favorites for us in my house. But food is also hands down Allie's <laughs> favorite book topic. <laughs> yeah, Hashtag that's...
2: fiction feast,
1: which it's we true. definitely need to do again. Yes, that is that is my heart. But it's not just me as an adult. As a child, my favorite picture books always had illustrated food. And I don't think I'm the only one because other people participate in the fiction feast, okay? Mm-hmm. Many. Mm-hmm.
0: You're a bookish food influencer. That's I am. that's who you are. You know, one day I'm going to get you a cheese fridge for your bedroom.
1: Oh, just for cheese
0: under the bed cheese fridge.
1: No yes. empty promises, please. <laughs> cheese okay. dreams.
0: Okay, but seriously. So our winners for best food books in our featured category are Salma, the Syrian chef. Kids can cook. Nachos, nachos. I really want the cake and the big cities, little foodies. Tokyo edition
1: so my thoughts on that because this is this is my category you guys <laughs> you <laughs> have first, a lot of
0: categories <laughs> I, I
1: do no I have three I have I love board books I love food books and I like read alouds. but yes. <laughs> so of the of the food books um, I want to mention that the kids can cook one is actually a cookbook for kids I am always on the lookout for cookbooks for kids that have illustrations of each step. It's not always that easy to find, but Mm -hmm. this one does that. And I love that it is all done in this like retro vintage style, but all on white, it's very classy. Like this, 100% there. My daughter Willow, really loves it. She's super into the cooking. So she's like, I'm a little chef, you know? So that one is really well received over here. Of the story stories, my personal favorite are the Big Cities Little Foodies book. And that one's Tokyo. They have a couple of others out and so we've been reading that one a lot and we talk about the food a lot and the and the things that we've tried before and what we want to try that's what we talk about at night and i just love the illustrations they're they're i don't know
0: They're very iconography sort of illustrations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Very graphic.
2: I really like nachos nachos too, because not only is nachos a food I could eat any time of day, because also I don't really trust people who don't like nachos. I'm just going to make that blanket statement. I think
0: that's a fair statement
1: there. I support that.
2: But it's also another biography or, you know, like a history <laughs> book. So, you know, I'm like always trying to sneak them in there because I just
0: have like to learn stuff like a big dork. Uh,
2: <laughs> but also the Kids Can Cookbook is amazing. Yeah. I really like that one. And Salma is really good too.
0: Yeah. Salma the Syrian Chef, I think is probably my favorite. It takes place in Vancouver. It's a story about reclaiming Food that reminds you of home and that sensory experience that food can bring you back to a place and a time. I really feel that very, very much when I eat like a special meal it just takes me back to a time that I've enjoyed it before at you know and it's a refugee story it's a really beautiful book and the illustrations are beautiful they've used all of this traditional textile design around the images on the pages and it's a Canadian publisher <laughs> Yeah, Anna. can't help it like that and it yes exactly yeah kids can cook I think is a book that I immediately was like oh, we're going to use this forever.
1: <laughs> like yeah, yeah. this is
0: We're going to keep coming back to this over and over and over again. It's just an infinitely useful book. I'm glad we had this category because I'm not sure where else it would have mm-hmm. fit, but it was a clear winner. Everyone loved it.
1: I also want to mention that I really want the cake from Scholastic, I think. Mm-hmm. And that one also really captures a lot of very true feelings to me where this kid is just like can't stay away from the cake and it's all sparkly and there are layers. It, it just, we really liked it. It was fun. You know, it was fun to go back to winter, winter, winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: Or cake dinner.
1: Cake dinner. Cake for dinner? All right. Let's go on to our
2: other featured category, which was best animal books. And it was really nice because we actually had an astonishing number of incredible books about human people. So this really gave us a moment to appreciate some equally awesome books with lions
0: and squirrels, too. I do like a good woodland creature now and then. Who
3: doesn't?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hug?
2: Kits, Cubs, and Calves in Arctic Summer, Woodland Dreams, Arlo, the Lion Who Couldn't Sleep, and Hello, Hello.
1: Of this whole category, I have to say that my favorite had to be Woodland Dreams. That one was just beautiful, you know. Gorgeous. The color palette, the lyrical quality, you know, the, the darkness of the forest. I just, I think that that one for me is a real is a real winner.
0: Yeah. Woodland Dreams, for sure. A major, major wager winner. Instant hit in my house, right up tiny David Attenborough's uh, alley there. (laughs) (laughs) Big time. Harlow the Lion Who Couldn't Sleep. Great bedtime read. We mentioned that in our last episode, the Sleepy Time episode of the podcast as well. Kids, Cubs and Cabs, An Arctic Summer is a surprising book that I'm really happy we were able to find. Again, it was a book that didn't Totally fit anywhere else. So I, I'm thankful that we had this feature category because it is a great book It's nonfiction, but it also weaves in a story about family. It's Inuit own voices It's a very text-heavy book. So it's actually probably more appropriate for our slightly older kids It's a great book. So I'm really pleased that it made the list.
2: I really love that one, too I think that the iniquity words are seamlessly woven into the story which is something I really appreciate sometimes when you read a book and they're sort of trying to teach different vocabulary in another language without being fully bilingual, then it sort of seems forced. But this was very easy and there's extensive pronunciation in the back. What I liked about Hello Hello too, is it's a board book. It's like a funky long shape, has a bunch of animals in it, obviously. But then in the back, it tells you what the animals are, which I really appreciate it. Because when I was reading, I was like, man, are they going to say what all these animals are in the back? And then I came across all the animals in the back. And it was so lovely. And again, this proves what a giant dork I am. And I just want to learn stuff all the time, guys. Sometimes the back pages of the
0: book are the best part of the book. (laughs) One hundo. (laughs) Hundo. I, yeah, I agree. I agree on that completely. Hug is an interesting book said, of course, always is a question because there is a question mark on it. So we say, hug, hug, hug. It's kind of a story about consent told in a, in a fun way with animals. It's Kids Can Press, Canadian publisher. I'm real biased. Guys, I gotta stop. <laughs> Edge of my I think it's one of two, it actually is one of two books that Charlene uh, Chua illustrated that are winners this year.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true.
0: She's mm-hmm.
1: great. She is. She is good.
0: So, anyway, let's move on to our next category. What I found pretty remarkable when I moved into prepping all the images for our winners list is that in the future classics category, every single book is human protagonists, which I actually find quite astonishing and hopefully is promising that trends in publishing are truly changing for the better.
1: I think that part of that also though, is that we are the ones that put them in those categories. So what we're looking for as judges is that we're looking for stories about people to be on children's shelves. And we're looking for beautiful illustrations, but also messages of love, self-worth, familial love, love for community or the world at large. It's about a general sense of the world being your oyster or go to sleep and dream that you're of of see, see Go to sleep and dream that you're, you're gonna seize sneeze, it, sneeze the sneeze. day, chew the day.
0: Thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk
2: about the winners of the Future Classics category. Again, in no particular order, we have My Day with Gong Gong, When We Were Alone, When Grandpa Gives You a Toolbox, Uncle Bobby's Wedding, You Matter, Like the Moon Loves the Sky, Child of Galaxies, All Because You Matter. Evelyn Del Rey's Moving Away, and Bedtime for Sweet Creatures.
0: I have just suddenly also realized about this category that not one, but two of these books are updated re-releases of already beloved books. And I didn't realized that before at all so it just became even more appropriate to me that they won in this category uncle bobby's wedding got the picture book glow up of the century i will fight anyone i don't think any picture book has been updated in a better way than this book lucia soto's incredible illustrations and actually having human characters instead of the original version which is pigs. and when we were alone got an important dual language swampy cree update which is beautiful and important because it is the language of the author's grandmother who is who the book is actually about. So that really took it to the next level for me and added a whole other layer of importance to that book. So you know, I'm I'm very happy that they ended up in this category and they were very deserving.
1: I was actually just I was just reading when we were alone and it is such a heartbreaking story when you 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 know read everything that that they went through. But also like heartbreaking in like a, a hopeful way because it's still about love and overcoming and the togetherness. Yes, it's 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 a wonderful book. It was done beautifully and I think that having the Swampy Cree is it just brings it to that next level of really taking it to the meaning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, it adds that additional yeah. layer of reclamation yes. that
0: it's like we're also reclaiming our language, which is mentioned in the book, but then mm-hmm. it's actually there on the page. So yes. mm-hmm. I can't read it, but that's not what's important. It's really important to me that it's there because it's going to be very meaningful to a lot of people that are still trying to reclaim their language.
1: And I would like to say that it, it, is, it is in both the Swampy Cree alphabet, I guess, mm-hmm. but also it's written in the, like, Roman alphabet, so you could sound it out if you wanted to or if you could, which I think is great as well because if you can't read the alphabet, that would be problematic.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great teaching tool, which is really important for Indigenous communities that are trying to reclaim their language so that they've got the Romanized alphabet, the more phonetic spellings, and then they've got the traditional Swampy Cree characters so that they can actually learn to read their language in the way it's meant to be. So I'm really pleased. It's a beautiful book. It's a book everybody, I think, should read. Uncle Bobby's Wedding, I feel exactly the same way about. You know, in terms of the other books in this category, there's a lot of affirmation there. It's an incredibly diverse category in terms of the humans and authors and illustrators that are involved in it. Lots of own voices
1: stories. It's a, a- lot of grandparents' stories. A lot of like intergenerational, you know, when grandpa gives you a toolbox, which was a sequel. We also had an interview with those creators and they're lovely. You should listen to it. My Day with Gong Gong is also about a girl and her grandfather and they don't speak the same language, but they love each other. It's it's a lovely story and it's definitely set in Toronto, right?
0: Oh yeah. There's, there's Toronto streetcars in it. I'm a big cars, nerd. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the dim sum looks mwah. Just mwah. And also Bedtime for Sweet Creatures, which is again, not not grandparents, but the love between a mother and and I guess the, the father's in there too, and the child. And I love the expressions on the toddler's face in that one. It's such an interesting style. It's almost like it feels like a collage, but the expressions are so perfectly captured of what a toddler's face looks like and you don't always get that in books like sometimes they're just sort of seem washed out but Mm -hmm. this one perfect just loved it so good elizabeth Dunan is such a good
2: artist of course i loved child of galaxies Mm -hmm. so much it's i can only describe it as empowering philosophy and it makes you think about where you are in the universe and it could drive you to an existential crisis, I suppose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's gorgeous. I love the art. Of course, you matter, Christian Robinson. If you're out there listening,
0: Please come on our podcast. Oh my gosh. Please. please. That's our dream guest. That's oh, our seriously. dream guest. I, that's all three of our number one dream guests. Number one. Number one. Please, Kristen Robinson, come on Picture Books The Game podcast would immediately. Be so cool. I love you. <laughs> <I> would not <laughs> I, be able to play it cool. No. All because You Matter, though, too, is yeah. so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to mention. It's like You Matter was a breakaway hit because it was released in the spring and around the time of all the uprisings happening and absolutely deserving. We love it. also can be read backwards and forwards. Fun fact. All Because You Matter is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is stunning. And, you know, it's, it's such an affirming book. It's really an important book. I, I cannot stress enough how much I was impressed by that book. People told me it was amazing, but then I got to read it and I was like, wow my other favorite though is evelyn del rey is moving away that book i sobbed the first time i read it it I was very bald my eyes out it captures these childhood emotions in the most accurate way i've almost ever like read in a book i I've, I've been in that position of a friend moving away i was just like blown away <laughs> by that book and it's so gorgeously illustrated. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that one was all of the feels. And I think that with All Because You Matter and You Matter. I think that number one they were just wonderful, but also I'm so glad that they're on our top list for this year because I feel like this list should also embody 2020 and what we are looking for as readers as as book lovers. You know, this is what You know, if you were to encapsulate one of the major feelings of this year, those two books really do it.
0: Yeah. Empowering Black children is Mm -hmm. something that we need to see like hundreds of times more more. in children's books. And, you know, when I look at this category, we have Indigenous owned voices. We have Chinese owned voices. We have Muslim owned voices. We have um, Latinx owned voices, Black owned voices on several of the books. This is really a category. We also have queer representation in this category. There's a lot happening here. I'm truly pleased and you know, we didn't we didn't totally realize this as we're picking the winners based on scores and then placing them into categories. But the way it's shaped up, I think is really beautiful because it is a beautiful crop of books that represent a lot of people in really, really meaningful ways.
1: I don't know if we actually mentioned how we scored them. So each judge scored each book out of ten and then we averaged everybody's scores for each book and then we looked at which ones had the highest scores so it wasn't something we discussed what belongs where but at the end we just said this is what everybody loved based on that
0: considering all of these different people with different backgrounds and and this is how it shaped up it's
4: it's beautiful it is beautiful
0: so maybe this is a good time we're we're gushing way too much i'm sorry maybe this is a good time to talk about our aussie contingent before we move on to the final two categories which are best illustrations and best read aloud which spoiler alert one of those categories has our highest scoring book overall of the entire list
1: Anticipation woo uh-huh. okay so I just want to jump in and explain our Aussie contingent really quickly. So we have this lovely member of the books to gang. Her name is Lucy flows that fun. You might be following her because she's great. anyways, so she really wanted to participate with us, but she also is in Australia, and we started talking about how Australia just has so much to give, and their books and their their artists and their writers they all have their own world their own voices they all have you know their own concerns and so what we did was we picked a wonderful group of australian bookstagrammers and they got together and they've been hammering it out to bring the best that australia has to offer in kidlet this year and they wanted to talk about a couple of the concerns that they were dealing with while choosing them onto them Hi, I'm Lucy.
3: I'm speaking to you today from Wanarua land. My IG handle is Fun and my pronouns are she, her. My Instagram account's called Flissat Fun because it centres around an IKEA Flissat table looking at sensory play, crafts and learning activities. But predominantly, we often have it based around a book because I'm passionate about children's literature and I really enjoy highlighting Australian children's literature when I can as well. I have four sons, one who is 10, one who is 8 and four-year-old twins and so I really like to engage them with an activity that helps to bring a book alive, really. Bron, what made you start your account?
4: So, hi everyone. My name's Bron and I'm talking to you from Ngunnawal country today. You can find me on Instagram at bookishbron. And to answer your question, Lucy, I was really passionate about, I am really passionate about getting Australian literature and books out there. Especially, you know, when I first started, a lot of it was about the young adult age range, I guess. Where yeah. we see a lot of kids start to read American books because they're the ones that the movies are made of or whatever, so I just wanted to make you know do what I could to make sure that Australian books and literature and writers in that age group were supported, and it has snuck a bit up into Australian adult book and also down into middle grade and picture books, which I'm especially loving at the moment because I have a six year old daughter and I just love, at the end of the day, sitting down together to read a beautiful picture book.
3: I agree. There's nothing better than unwinding um, and just giving that time to connect with a book before bed. It's a really nice thing. And I think your point about Australian children's literature and being passionate about it, I think that's what prompted me to basically start our own Best of 2020 and highlight Australian children's literature within the Bookstagang Best of 2020 list because... I just feel like in an age of globalisation, I feel like our own national identity and voices are really important to preserve for children so that they can see themselves in books. And things like not having snow in winter over here or our own unique animals and environment. We started this year very much being shell-shocked after the bushfires that ravaged a lot of our country and then moving that into the pandemic. And I think it's been interesting to see how some of those themes have been picked up in books this year.
4: Definitely. I love it too. I I love kids being able to see little pictures in the books that look like themselves and that they can relate to. And I think it's really important. Something else we've seen quite a lot of and people will notice when they look at the winners we've picked across all of the categories is own voices coming from Australian First Nations people. People are starting to talk more about the truth of colonisation and what it means that we all live on basically stolen land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. What does that mean for us living here now? How can we respect the traditional owners of the land? That we live and learn and work on and how do we respect the country and the people and each other and I think that's really come through so beautifully and strongly in a lot of the books that we've looked at and picked as winners and a lot of other books that were on our short list
3: and yeah I agree I agree and I think the thing that what you're saying is that it has been across the board so in every category we've had some own voices books to consider um so you're looking at one of our best board books, Counting Our Country, from Magabala Books by Jill Daniels, right through to picture books, nonfiction, and then some biographies where we have had They Took the Children Away and Our Home, Our Heartbeat, which, interestingly enough, were both songs first. And I so love that. I yeah. know that connection that children have at, at listening to the song and then actually seeing those words in, in text and illustration, I think it's a really powerful connection as well.
4: Definitely. And uh, something else I love about it is that it's a way to get this message and I guess this education into people's homes. So people really are, you know, learning about these issues via their kids from fantastic picture books and the amazing job that, you know, educators are doing at the schools. And I think it really highlights, yeah, the importance of picture books that look at issues and social responsibility and all of that sort of thing, how important it is to have them in our homes.
3: I couldn't agree more. I think it really reinforces the message that they're hearing at school. And I think it's also helping educate parents who may not have had Indigenous perspectives and First Nations perspectives of invasion at school. So, yeah, I think our picture books and Australian children's literature really deserves all the kudos for um, really highlighting. it. Um, Absolutely.
4: So one of the most difficult things for us when we were judging was the non-fiction category. There was a lot of back and forth. (laughs) There (laughs) was a lot of debate. There were so many amazing non-fiction books this year.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I, my eldest, is a real non-fiction fan. But even my younger two, I just felt like it was engaging non-fiction as well. It wasn't just a book of facts. It was really engaging. I think when we looked at a lot of the stuff that came out of Five Mile Press, like yep. this girl can and this boy yeah, can. and this, girl can, this yeah. boy can. They were really empowering books, but they were beautiful read-alouds as well. And yes. really had a lot of representation in the illustrations. And then the Humankind series that was very much, could have, it looked at values and in a way that, It could have been patronising, but because of the short anecdotes and small stories and the characters that you're invested with, it just became a really lovely way of opening up conversations with children about how to deal with aspects of social and emotional learning.
4: Yes, absolutely. And I think it does it in a fun way. Like we really, we were looking for books that, you know, do look at issues and that reflect our values, but also for them to be fun and engaging for for the kids who are reading them. And I think that this lot of winners that we've got and also that a lot of the other books that we considered that you'll see on all of our Bookstagram accounts just really did an amazing job of that.
3: I agree. I agree. I loved How, which was one of the books that we had for Best Illustration. It was essentially about a character who was having a really rough time navigating some big feelings, really. But it was done in such an engaging, captivating way in that, you know she howled like a wolf and she became a wolfish character and it harked back for me to where the wild things are where Max was sent to bed without any dinner and he was a wild thing but this time around in how the mum actually stands with Maggie the main character and basically goes through the feelings with her and helps her navigate that so I just felt like yeah, th- they were very so engaging. Much. Yeah, really eng- social sort of is- and emotional issues presented in an engaging way. Was a big theme. I also felt like the environment and community were also two sort of themes that we saw this year in a lot of the book releases.
4: Yeah, I thought they were a really good reflection of what's happening in our world. In in Australia, we came into the new year, devastated by these fires, and we actually had three I think there were, were there three fire specific books on our
3: short list this year yeah the bushfire book um, which we looked at for best non-fiction and then fire wombat which was one of our selections for best picture book which again was a book that you know it was about the environment and a wombat but it was again a beautiful read aloud you know just really lovely prose to read aloud at the at the end of the day
4: definitely and we also saw you know lots of books about kindness and hope, which I think is something that we all need reminders of and to be encouraged to think about this year with, you know, everything else that's going on.
3: Yeah, I agree. The Biscuit Maker and I Saw Pete and Pete Saw Me, both were very much books about hope and about community and about noticing the little things and um, through a child's eye. And so I think those two books were were, you know, obvious winners as well.
4: Yeah, Um, definitely. I I thought the same thing for This Small Blue Dot, which was one of our best illustration books. You know, looking for the good little special things in all of our worlds, which
3: I think is a really sweet message. Yeah, me too, me too. I really enjoyed that one too. Yeah, I just... The strength of releases and the number that we had to cull down to was also very much just made me feel really proud about the stage that Australian children's literature is at, at the moment.
4: Absolutely. I think that's a really good positive note for us to wrap up on so that we okay. can throw back over to our books to gang friends in North America. Thank you so much for having us. It's
3: been an thank absolute Kelly delight. and Ali and Cory. Thank you so much for and having thank,
4: us. And thank you Lucy for like getting this happening here. It's been a wonderful experience and, um, Hopefully, you know you might hear more from us.
3: Yeah, that, I hope so. nice. that would be nice. I'm just putting great. that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be great, and we've got some other fantastic um, Aussie books to gang members. So make sure you look at look for them. We'll be sharing their accounts and our stories as well moving forward.
4: Yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. Bye.
1: It was wonderful working with the Australian Bookstagrammers, and fascinating hearing about all of the books that they chose and their process and about the indigenous Australian artists. I am so glad that we got this opportunity. Thank you to all of you guys.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if we could start this all over the world and have like a picture book award network?
2: We will. We can not be contained. Our book nerdiness will spread to all continents eventually.
1: Yes. Yes. Except Antarctica, because they don't have publishers. You don't know that. Speaking of nerdiness, illustrations. We are all, every one of us in this group, really, really picky in our own ways about illustrations. And it is important to note that illustration is incredibly subjective, of course. But I think that when a group of people all look at something and stop and say, wow, that is beautiful, you have to wonder, is that really subjective? Like, sometimes a thing is just beautiful. That's really what we're looking for here. books where everyone stopped and said, now that is impressive. That where the story was really defined and brought to new heights because of the art. And so this category is for beautiful books that also really rely on their illustrations to tell the story and to give it the feeling that it has.
0: And on that exact note, in this category, seven out of 10 of the winners have the same author and illustrator, which I didn't realize initially either, but as I was preparing for this episode, I realized it very quickly. It's just very easy to see when an illustrator knows how to tell a beautiful story. They'll rely on their visuals because that's probably the first language that they're used to sort of telling a story in visually. The words are kind of a secondary piece. So here are the winners of illustration. Animals brag about their bottoms, a personal favorite. Uh, Sugar and milk. If you come to Earth... Obsessive about octopuses. It's a great big colorful world. Neighbors. Ways to say I love you. Gustavo the Shy Ghost. Freedom We Sing and Julian at the Wedding. I also just have to mention that If You Come to Earth is the overall winner
2: by far in the whole thing, which it's a really awesome book. If you don't know what it's about, it's basically a kid writing a letter to aliens and talking about Earth. It's hilarious and Beautiful, of course. Oh, I just uh, listen, you too. I just I love illustrations so much. I could go on so long. We already know my love for flying eye and obsessive about octopuses. I just love that whole series. I think it's the most gorgeous gift set of all time. Sugar mm-hmm. and milk, ridiculously beautiful.
1: Ridiculous.
2: The colors yeah. are so yeah. rich. And Freedom We Sing, just like Child of Galaxies, super empowering, kind of abstract backgrounds. Obsessed. Love it.
1: Thinking about what you were just saying about how most of the books that won this category are books where the author and illustrator is the same person, I have to wonder if part of the reason that these books are just so stand out in this category is because there was nothing lost in translation between getting the story from the author over to the illustrator because usually they don't have any communication in the way that things are done in this industry as we've learned from talking to a lot of these creators now from these My favorite has to be animals brag about their bottom. And that was just, it's, you know, it sounds silly and it is exactly what it is. It's animals and they're bragging about their different bottoms, but it's so self-love. All bodies are beautiful and just fun, you know, and I love the, the the quality of the the colors and how they kind of move into each other I think was it yeah. you that was telling me that it's a special it's a
0: special very old Japanese hand dyeing technique that the illustrations are actually made of I've never seen anything like it so I think a lot of people might look at this and wonder why we put it in this category but the way that the images are actually composed and crafted is incredibly it's not a normal process that that people yeah can do so. This, yeah, it's it's a very beautiful book. We also read it at bedtime. It's hilarious. Everybody it likes hilarious. lots. It's lots of the best. So yeah, I love basically all of these. Yeah, <laughs> not even gonna, like I really, 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 really love all of these. Freedom We Sing was a book that I opened up the first time and I was like, <gasps> like it just like took all of the wind. Out I remember. Of yeah, I was you just gushed a lot. <laughs> I did. I just couldn't believe it, and I, I, I got the book before it was released and I was sent a recording of the author reading it and that was stunning enough but the illustrations in combination just took it became like visual poetry. I just really think it's a stunning book. The other one that I think is really interesting and notable that it ended up in this category is Ways to Say I Love You which if you look at it for only the text I was a little concerned that it might be a little heteronormative but the illustrator kind of took the whole story to another level in every single way and uh, made it a lot more inclusive and it is so beautifully illustrated
1: (laughs) it has the foil on the front which you guys know I'm a sucker for love-
0: scored <laughs> <Squared laughs> everything that had foil on the front. higher. Have-
1: <laughs> I like shiny things. Okay. <laughs> you know, for me, you talked about how you were just so blown away with the first time you saw and We thing for me, that was Juliana at the wedding. I think that that one is just what, like, wow. You know, it's, there's not a lot of writing in that book, but no. every single page is like going to like, an art gallery and having this overwhelming experience of of having the colors and the texture of the image just kind of wash over you. I just, I would have it framed. So yeah, for me, I think the Juliana at the Wedding has to be, has to be a favorite from this whole category
0: i have to mention that it's a great big color for world which is wild but every single time i mention this book Allie gets like a giant smile on her face (laughs) i really
1: (laughs) like this book (laughs) i did you know what I, i i what am i even saying how could i not be just talking about this book it is so good it is just like this an artist if you just cut open their head and scooped it out and threw it at a page that's this book that's a weird
0: sales pitch if I like
1: it. We love that description.
2: It's absolutely, yeah, it's a wild ride. Things are like crammed in all sorts of nooks and crannies. Of this and there's book. little bits it's of so writing cool.
1: underneath every little yeah. picture. And it's each so page good. is a color, right? And it changes to the color, but it explores the different tones and hues of each color and the things that can be that color. It's just, it's just a, like, it's a, color book but it takes it to the next level of just being this wild wild ride it's Mm -hmm. It's like a
2: color book adventure
1: yeah and also
2: of course we have to mention gustavo Uh, Gustavo! that book is so sweet I The art is absolutely beautiful. Kelly tells everybody that you can watch a video online of the process.
0: <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's amazing. Um, the way she works in layers, Candlebook has a video on their YouTube channel. You have to watch it. Just, just do it. It's mind-blowing. Just we'll put it in the it. show notes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So our last and perhaps most anticipated category is Best Read Aloud, which has some amazing winners, of course, because anybody who has tried to read a book to children know that you really need to have an engaging way to, like, get the info out there. You don't always have to do funny voices,
0: although I do like to do funny voices. I like to do a funny voice too, but sometimes I don't have energy. I want the book to do the work for me. Totally. So, like, this is a category that I think is just super important in the entire medium of picture books because picture books are made to be read aloud. Some books are beautiful, but they don't have the read aloud narrative voice in the same way or the rhythm or storytelling that a really good read aloud has. Rereadability is I think one of the most key factors in, in this category. It's a huge aspect. Uh, the books, the kids keep asking for over and over again.
1: Absolutely. And also the, the quality of being able to pull readers in. So, you know, it's a good read aloud when all of the kids stop, you know, rustling around on their bums and they're just totally spellbound <laughs> that's the mark of a good read aloud and I know I've said this like twice already but this is my category <laughs> love it And <laughs> we were actually talking about this that our you know our feeds kind of reflect each category Coco she's got all the biographies she loves it Kelly loves the meaningful love of of future classics, you know, a wonderful future classic. For me, I like the funny books. I like the read-alouds. This is what I gravitate the most to. So I'm very excited about the winners who are Going Up, Unstoppable, Red Shoes, Izzy Gizmo and the Invention Convention, Our Favorite Day of the Year, Cannonball, The What Ifs, Everyone's Awake, Alligator, and let Flamingo.
2: Oh, man. This is such a good category. Unstoppable. I'll be real. When I looked at it, I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to like this. Same. And
4: <laughs> it is
2: such a wild ride. It's hilarious. It's perfect for a read aloud. I was reading it and being like, I wish I could read this to a classroom of students. They would be losing their minds right now. Yeah
0: it just snowballs and gets like nuttier and nettier it's so good oh my gosh the whole it's time i was hilarious
1: i was reading that i was thinking who came up with this? <laughs> <laughs> I, what's <laughs> in their brain what's going on in there is wonderful very unexpected and it, it's just like you like okay i kind of think i know what's going to happen but then it, you you don't and i'm not spoiling this for for anyone you got to go and buy it you know but, but at least get the ebook from you the library the, or something you know, cuz you just are not going to see it coming. It was it was great. Red oh. shoes also oh, yes. so
2: good, super cute and in like a I'm obsessed with Ebony Glenn in like a totally not creepy way. I just think she's <laughs> ridiculously talented and I love her illustrations and they were perfect for this book.
1: Yeah, my kids that my, my daughters just they love red shoes. They both have a thing for shoes. And so they were like they really loved the part where she's choosing the shoes at the store. And that there's two sisters and they just they just this was one that they just adored. And I love that that it kind of twisted it into a, a a story also about like the the life of the shoe extending beyond the original protagonist and, and going on. I didn't see it coming, but it was very good.
0: Mm-hmm. It was like a hidden storyline about sustainability. I yeah. Think. yeah. And taking care of your belongings. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, it was uh, Red Shoes was like a major standout, And I think for me, what every single one of these books has in common is the first time I opened them up, I was like, oh, this is an amazing book. Like yeah. there was no question. I was like three pages into every single one and I was enraptured. The What Ifs, I got that book I didn't know it was coming. It just showed up at my house and I read it and I was like, oh my God so seen because it's about anxiety <laughs> yeah. and I think it's just a really beautiful way the the way it's illustrated with these little anxiety bugs I think it's just a really beautiful way of of talking to kids about anxiety and similarly our favorite day of the year talking about different cultures within a classroom mm-hmm. setting the way that that story is told makes it so readable and engaging for mm-hmm. smaller children whereas like a lot of the non-fiction books that we have Might be harder to get a four-year-old interested in, but our favorite day of the year, four, five, six-year-olds can really learn about other people outside of themselves or see themselves reflected back. It's like the only book I've read that represents like an atheist family, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which I I think is quite incredible, but there is a lot of funny books in this category
1: that blew me away. Yeah, for us, um, two that we've actually had for a little while that are just, they have the staying power are um, Fussy Flamingo and Cannonball. Those are both source, source books, Jabberwocky books, and we just my kids love them. They're both hilarious but also really really relatable. So, Fussy Flamingo is great. It's about a flamingo who won't eat shrimp and so she turns all these weird colors and she instead eats like all this weird stuff and it's great if you have a picky eater or you just have a kid cuz it's just great. And my my daughter, River, she loves this book so much, she memorized it word for word and will occasionally run through the house screaming, sweet pepino melons, because it's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and what's cool about this one is at the back of the book, they have a whole thing about like real flamingo facts. And it's like, so this wasn't a real, this isn't a possible story because blank. I love that they did that. That was a good choice. The other one, Cannonball, that we, again, River basically memorized the whole thing and it's about this kid it represents the Maori people Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so so the the kid and he's got this wonderful relationship with his grandma and he wants to do a cannonball off a big high dive but he gets up there and he's like ready to do his thing and he's got this like smooth rhymes and he and he can't he can't do it and everybody kind of laughs at him and and this whole book goes goes through it with him but it's very, very funny. It really explores the, all of the characters in the book in such a cute and and unusual way. And again, River, she like repeats the little phrase that the kid says whenever mm-hmm. she's like doing stuff. She'll be like, "See my moves. It's so fun." Whatever. I don't have it memorized. She does. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Highly recommend highly recommend both of those books were ones that like
0: went on the shelf for bedtime and haven't like left so i haven't yeah. i've been meaning to review cannonball but my kid won't give it up <laughs> um so, <laughs> so it's a bit of a problem alligator oh, alligator, alligator. Uh, i got that book and i sat down to do judging one day and i was like this is the best book it's, it is yeah, <laughs> so good. So I absolutely love that one. and it's it's like a big, tall, skinny book, and the other one, that's a big, tall, skinny book that we also sat down for the first time and read it in the spring, was going up, which I absolutely adore. and we read it all of the time. It is one of our more frequent bedtime reads, which is about a girl who lives in an apartment building and they're going up in the elevator floor by floor, and their neighbors keep joining in, and they're all these different people different size families and, and combinations of humans and pets. And they're all going upstairs for a dog's birthday party, which you're not really expecting. I really enjoyed that book. It's a great read aloud. It's super fun. The
1: pages open up on the elevator when they all spill out. It's super fun. It does have an element of tension, too, because they keep jamming people into the elevator. There's a lot of people. There's, <laughs> There's, they're definitely breaking but it fire definitely fire code. It, stress, it stresses River out. She's like, this cannot be. This cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I also, I didn't mention, but should have, but you were talking about alligator. Oh, my gosh. That one is just fantastic. And my husband joked, cause he's read all the books too. And he, he says, of course you love that one because somebody may or may not get eaten by an animal. And that's like your, one of your favorite things to happen in a book. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I do enjoy that, a little bit of that. That's your fairy tale love coming through.
2: <laughs> Everyone's Awake though is also so cute too. First of all, I love the art style. I yes, think it's yeah. super funky and the colors are not, quite true to life but they're not not true to life you know like everything's just a little bit more neon yeah i don't it's just so
1: good it's bizarre in like a great way but also you like i would have expected that from the lead singer of the decemberists for everything to just be a little bit bizarre but also (laughs) what i love about it is that it's so singable. Like the 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 rhyming in the book is flawless. It's flawless. And I'm really picky about my rhyming. You know, if it's even a little bit forced, you're just like, eh, not for me. That one. Yeah. Hondo P. You can definitely tell it was written by a lyricist, which yes. it was. So,
0: but it, again, it's another book like Unstoppable that just keeps building and getting more wild as the mm-hmm. pages go on, yeah. which I super duper appreciate. Honestly. I think all of us agree with every single book in this category like izzy gizmo everyone's awake what ifs cannonball every single one of them they're all super fun they're all super engaging they all have just really great star characters that kids like latch onto right away Um, definitely great read-aloud qualities
2: which okay um i'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news but, and I don't know about you two, but I am just swimming in a pool of amazing books in my brain at this point. So maybe we could just start
0: summing things up.
1: Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How would you sum up this year, Ali? How would I sum up this year? Our fearless Jeez. leader. Oh man, it's been a whirlwind, right? I don't know. We got so many good books, and the thing you got to remember is the books that we've mentioned here are the books that averaged out to have the highest scores. But a lot of our personal favorites might not have made it onto the list. There were so many good books, and and so like if you you got to watch out for our, all of our individual Instagrams because you'll see so many more of the wonderful books that people have sent us. But this year was really strong. We got some great funny books. We had a lot of beautiful stuff happening and some great diverse representation. Overall, good year, everybody. Good year.
2: It was an excellent year. We got all sorts of really cool books. I'm so excited to share them, both on the Tiny Activist and the Pine Size Professor. We got some super rad science and STEM books that Oh, they're just so good. And some like the l- old ones that are for a little bit older kids, you know, like maybe eight years, eight years old. We got some that are still picture books, but pretty science heavy, which is cool.
0: Yeah. There's a, yeah, we got some amazing nonfiction books um, this year, which is, yeah, I'm very thankful for that. You know, I think for me, when I sum up this year, you know, we do work all year towards this, but because of the events of 2020, which have been, Absolutely wild. Between, you know, one of the most significant racial uprisings of any of our lifetime and the pandemic um, and a huge spotlight on the structure of the publishing industry, what publishers chose to send us was quite remarkable, I think. And it made it really easy to choose some incredibly beautiful books that represent a lot of different people. I'm really excited to keep sharing a lot more of these books, including ones that did not make the top 70 um, in this pile. Um, which is, not even- yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to keep sharing them on Inclusive story time. There's so many more stories to be told. I'm really, I was very heartened by the entire experience of this year because I think it's just very representative of what publishers are gonna start changing about themselves based on what they submitted to us this year, because I think that's how they wanted to be seen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping they start making those actual changes now so that this becomes the standard um, that this level
1: of representation happens. Yeah, I think that they definitely were very intentional with mm-hmm. the choices that they sent us. Definitely for next year. I mean, every year we seem to be getting bigger and bigger, so I don't know how we're going to get through them all next year. But if you <laughs> are a publisher who's interested in uh, submitting next year and you want to get in touch, you'll be able to do so through my website. And we do have some publishers who submit to us early, like Kids Can Press, and that. We really actually really appreciate that because it gives us more time to to be with the books and for them to become part of our home, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think when we've built relationships with some of these books, like going up that I just mentioned at yes. the end, I've like built a relationship with that book since the spring. So mm-hmm. I have like even more warm and tingly feelings about it. So when we have publishers that are working with us through the year and not just like sending a pile right at the end, we have more time to build a a meaningful relationship with that story. Yeah.
1: Like for me, can- Cannonball and, and Fussy Flamingo, I got those months ago and so like they really stand out for me because we've read them over several months several hundred times and you know so contact us we'll work it out (laughs) So,
0: you know, I'm excited for next year. You know, I am literally sitting right now in a giant mountain of books. Um, But in all seriousness, all three of us are going to be making some big book donations this year to help out people in our communities and things like that, because we do have too many books. We can't possibly keep all of these books. I'm just really looking forward to sharing the love of all of these
2: wonderful picture books. I'm so excited. Just just about everything. (laughs) 2020 was... Wild, like have you seen that gif of just like a dumpster on fire floating <laughs> down, down a river, <laughs> yeah, like down a river or like a flooded street, yep, <laughs> like all of us at one point have been inside that flaming dumpster mm-hmm. and but this was
1: really a bright spot, this,
0: this was the bright fun. spot that was the
1: bright spot, yeah, yeah. definitely highlights of twenty twenty we're doing this together with all of you guys and And I I love that as a group, the Books to Gang gets all of the same books Mm -hmm. for this. So we can actually talk about them and work together when we're, you know, featuring them. I think sometimes like during the rest of the year when we're like, well, it's just we're going to find books about X theme. If we haven't read it all together, it's like hard to have a discussion. So I just that's one of my favorite parts of all of this getting to talk about it with everybody
0: yeah and we all have differing opinions which I think is really we've all made each other see books in different lights by being able to talk about them uh, through the judging process which I think is great Mm -hmm. and I have to break some other news at the end of this episode that (gasps) this episode episode is also our season finale. So we have one more PB&J episode coming out next week, and then we're on break until sometime in 2021. We're working on changing things up a little bit, and we're really excited to share the new season with you when it's ready.
2: It's truly mind-blowing to think of all that has happened this season. We did 12 regular episodes, 11 episodes of PB&J. We have been working really, really hard And we're really just so thankful for everyone who has joined us this year, especially in the wild ride that 2020 has been. It has been a super, super fun undertaking doing all of this. And I'm like sad this is our season finale, but I'm really excited because I know all of the things that we're doing during the break. And that makes me really happy and excited.
0: I'm really happy and excited about all those things. At the same time, I'm amazed we're all still standing. Because we learned how to do this from the ground up. We're not using a podcasting studio or a, a, outside editors. We have learned how to do every single aspect of this all by ourselves. And, uh, you know, I'm just really proud of us, the three of us. We record from three different locations in two different countries, um, you know, once a week. it's It's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. I'm just really proud of us. So I'm amazed we're still standing. I'm excited for next season, but also really excited for a break.
1: <laughs> but we're all gonna just keep on talking, we just won't be recording it. Yeah, <laughs> literally, all the time. Literally, literally each all time. Other so I, yeah. I basically I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Oh, look, everybody's awake already. And <laughs> then I just want to fall asleep too. yes. <laughs> I know we all say good morning
2: and good night to each
1: other,
0: yeah. <laughs> Unless we fall asleep holding our phone, then we forget to say goodnight. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, it's a really healthy relationship, I swear. <laughs> okay. So what we really want to do is we want to thank all of you for listening so much, for hanging in with us, for being nerdy about picture books with us and, and joining us on this ride. And we can't wait to share more with you. So thank you so much for listening to our antics and supporting the podcast. And with that... This has been our best picture books of 2020 episode. Keep an eye on our Instagram at Picture Books to Gang for updates, and be sure to subscribe to the Picture Books to Gang podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Drop us a line on Instagram and let us know what are you reading.